Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is The Material Podcast, episode number 370. I'm your host, Florence Ion, and I'm joined here by the irreplaceable Andy Anatko. Hello, Hello, Andy. How are you today? I am fine. I speak English well. I learned it from a book. You know how much I loved the Count when I was a kid, right? Because <laughs> he spoke like my relatives. <laughs> you want to you want to talk about visibility? Just put put a vampire. And my and, and my fa- my favorite my favorite Muppets. Like if you, if you talk, and I, I suppose you have to take it into uh, like the stars and the NPCs in the Muppet cast. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. my favorite by far NPC in the Muppet cast were like the bats on a stick where they would just like wave the stick yes! and it would cause the, yes! it would cause yes! the, the wings to flap sympathetically because there'd be like four or five or six <laughs> or seven of them in a little cloud. Well, they're in my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that just brought me uh, that brought me some some a little bit of joy, which I appreciate. Thank you very much for that. Um, Andy, I do have to ask, have you been on Twitter much this week? I have been on Twitter much this week. I find I found it very Twittery. Perhaps I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> actually. <laughs> actually, actually, particularly because like uh, uh, it's. You can tell when I time something to make sure that it drops, like it's released at like nine something in the morning or ten something in the morning, just in case I oversleep or forget. Because there was, I, I, I was like having a really, really like, uh, I'm not finished, but I have to keep on working, and I'm having one of those like, why do I even bother? Like moments at the desk, and I came across uh, a video of a groundhog i guess someone who had who had like groundhogs like in their uh, in their yard rather than trying to trap or kill them he said "Ooh, that's cool why don't i just like set up little snacks for them and i'll also set up a camera in front of the snacks and to to his delight and to my delight and to the delight of i think 1.4 million yeah it's they so the 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 groundhogs were not just simply saying "Ooh, look a, a ripe apple i'm gonna grab it and then take it back to my hidey hole and it's like it's like hey look an apple say hey what's this camera what, what, what's this shiny thing munch 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 staring into the camera munch 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 huh i can almost see another groundhog in there crunch munch 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 so basically it's a compilation of i came across this video wow. that was like almost four minutes of like me getting to watch groundhogs watching me as I watch them eat. And it put me very much on the right track for the rest of my work day. And so I said, you know what? I, I People who have normal work days, they're probably going to need this at around 948 in the morning on the East Coast. Mm. So I set that to go. So so that's why that's a little insight into how I use Twitter. But yes, I, 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 am, I was on Twitter recently. Uh, it, that's incredible. Uh, thank you for your service. <laughs> Uh, now I, I bring up Twitter because I am also on Twitter. I'm more on the dark side, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, I don't know. It's it, the dark side coupled with, uh, Pokemon merch, <laughs> which is also dangerous. Cause then I end up buying it. But, um, I saw Sundar Pichai tweeted, which I, I always read it, even if it's, you know, just like a regurgitation of some statement or whatever, but I forgot. Oh, yes, it was for one of our items today in the podcast uh, that we'll be talking about. Sundar Pichai was tweeting out about it, and he used an old school emoticon. But not just, he didn't just use the old school emoticon like smiley face. He didn't put a space between the emoticon and the end of the sentence. 
Oh. Which is fine, but I th- I was just very I-, I just noticed that formatting and it really stood out to me because you could you could tell a lot about a person. You know, Andy, the internet that you and I come from, right? It really was all in how you t- typed things. Uh, and granted, my millennial ways, we were doing the alt caps stupidity <laughs> because it just looks so cool in Times New Roman. Uh, but, you know, this, this, this emoticon usage, it just made me think about what was Sundar's young life like on the internet. I think it was naughty. <laughs> Now we're going. To, this is the internet, so we have to define naughty. Correct. As as Correct. in, was he uh, pirating copies of uh, the Matrix shorts? Was he hacking into other systems? Uh, was he looking for? Hey, you know what? I bet somewhere out there, someone is writing uh, uh, erotic fan fiction about uh, Smurfs and the cast of the original Battlestar Galactica getting it on together. <laughs> I'm going to say the very first one. Now, I'm going to drop off this link to you, actually, in our uh, Slack chat over here, because I would like you to see what I'm looking at. So that way it's not just. okay. um, And then I I will put this in the show notes, folks, although you can just go to his Twitter page. But he talked about some of the new features rolling out to Chromebooks this week, which we will be talking about later in the show today. And at the very end of the tweet, you see there dark themes, smiley face, no space between the emoticon. And dark themes. Hmm. Interesting. So right? also that. Let me count looking, how many letters. I'm, I'm, there look, are. I'm looking for as a program. I'm looking for unbalanced parentheses and unbalanced brackets. I don't believe that's like. An I unbalanced... looked for that too. By the way, when I first saw the tweets. Yeah. I also was just like, did he forget? <laughs> I think you know. I I think that's a type. I think that he forgot that that he didn't have to close a bracket. I don't know. No, no, no. It's a smiley face. And I know there's no space in between it. Now, I really want to know, is there meaning? Is there meaning? We're going to, we're going to, let's, let's Google this. Okay. Is there meaning if there's no space next to a nematicon? I, let's see what comes up. Uh, Yeah. See, as a, again, as a Gen Xer, as someone who like grew up with uh, emoticons, that would be that would require a space there there's 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 there isn't the sort of argument that we have about the oxford comma here that requires a space between the end of the line and the and the colon it's going to take me a rabbit hole's worth of a night to be able to really get into this but i wanted i wanted to surface it see if anybody had any commentary if you do have commentary you can tweet at us at material podcast you can email us materialpodcast at gmail.com or you can just tweet me and andy individually andy is at anotco i am out of that flow i am really curious what you think if sundar meant to put a space or not and what does that mean and also but also I just want to say, you know, kudos to to Sundar for reaching out to us olds of the internet and using the emoticon. Like I, you know, the emoji definitely has served its purpose. It's definitely enhanced our language, but those emoticons, I I always go back to them. They yep. they still make me feel so good. See, I 
I love emoticons. I acknowledge that part of it is because I am of that generation. I grew up with that. Mm-hmm. The same the same reason why I'm sure that like your immigrant grandparents still use certain words from the old country because right. that's that's how they grew up. But for me, it's I feel as though I don't want to be as intense as putting in an emoticon. I'm not I, when I say mm. when I'm doing like colon uh, end uh, end quote end bracket. I'm not saying hi. I'm a bright yellow sunny round face with a big broad smile. I'm just sort of like indicate putting a little bit of an inflection on the end of that mm. sentence. Also, I don't want to have to like take my hands off the keyboard, go under the mouse, click on a button, find the right emoticon for the nth time try to decide wait a minute so there's a smiley face but then there's also a smiley face with red cheeks but there's a third smiley face that looks like (laughs) the first smiley face but for some reason is different and i don't want to i mean really yeah i feel i it's it's it is like when you're when you're almost fluent in another language but not so fluent that uh you can use local slang with complete confidence like i don't want to find out later on that why why did you say hey i'm phil i'm looking at you with eyes of lust like i didn't when did i say that you use not the regular smiley face but the smiley face where one pupil is slightly smaller than the other which according to every reddit message board i've ever been on means I'm looking at you with I I'm so, I didn't I honestly didn't think it went that. I, oh my gosh! I, I don't I'm making that up, but it's like imagine 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 all no, the but gra- you're right you're yeah. right it, emoji Gen Z gives them any meaning yeah and then that's it. Imagine all the grandparents that are just want to talk about hey I I I made a zucchini casserole and they just put the zucchini emoticon in there not knowing that the reason why they're getting all kinds of inappropriate responses to that. Uh, thanks, Sundar. See, it was it's perfect. It's per- and you know what? That's probably what he was doing as well as you were saying earlier. He was just putting a slight inflection on the idea of dark theme because because people love dark theme. I mean, I love dark theme. I don't yeah. want anything besides dark theme. Don't give me the light theme. That's not the world I'm in right now. I'm in the darkness. Always. Yeah. I, I I had it. I had the dark theme enabled on Mac OS on my previous MacBook, and then I forgot to turn it on on the new one, and I just can't get my head around. I, on my old one, I could not get my head around light theme. On the new one, I couldn't get around get my head around dark theme. And it's just what I've become used to. Hmm. I, did, I can't. I can't make a. I thought I could make a stylistic choice between the two, but it is meaningless. Either it's all dark or it's all light. <sighs> well. I think that I'm going to make a stylistic choice about how to segue <laughs> into what our podcast is. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. It's been a heck of a week. and uh, But you know what? <laughs> At least Google's still making money. You know, some week we should actually record on a Monday so people see what we what we sound like before we've had like all the optimism that we've built up over the weekend beaten out of us by like coverage of the of tech policy and other news admittedly i have to say um right now is a very slow time in the gadget world so that's why it's kind of been it's sort of feeling really sleepy and like a bit of a slog because we're kind of waiting for this really big i mean we've got a samsung event coming up we've got well we know there's going to be a pixel 7 on the horizon we've got android 13 is probably going to be here any minute now 
with the, there was another little update that came out this week. So there's lots of things to look forward to ahead. Um, which I haven't even been able, by the way, to think about because I've been trying to learn this iOS 16 beta. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, new, I know this is a, a Google podcast. Drop, yeah, but it, but it is part of our collective burden. And this is we are we are the the Yankees versus the Red Sox here. They're they're I, two teams that keep that two two. Actually, that's a much better analogy than I than I recently supposed because they're all they're both supremely wealthy. They both have way more power in their respective industry than I think anybody can respect them for, and yet we keep trying to label one as the underdog when. There is it's a it's a fight it's it's like when Jay Leno and uh Conan O'Brien and Letterman <sighs> at some point where it's like here are people worth tens of millions of dollars and one of these two in this in this particular fight will be making tens of millions of dollars at another network for sure. So it's like, okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So anyway, I'm happy to talk about Google because being in Apple land today, I I felt a little lost yeah <laughs> it's just it's, it's a little too anyway, with yeah uh with that said so we said google made a lot of money and that's because today on the podcast we are talking about google's quarterly results they are in things are looking okay in some places not so okay in others i'm just relieved to see that google made money uh alongside apple's great quarterly results because didn't they i think they had some this week as well and i saw a headline coming through that uh they're rich baby they're still very rich yeah (laughs) um we're also going to talk about some updates that have come both to google mail google mail sorry i told you guys it's been a week i don't know why i called it google mail i meant to say gmail (laughs) (laughs) yep oh my goodness gmail and google maps Google Maps also got an update. So we'll get through those and then you will be better off knowing these things <laughs> when we get back. Well, we're all relieved to hear that Google's still making money, right? <laughs> uh, we first of all, I've got to thank Andy. He went through the Q2. We are on Q2 now, Q2 2022 earnings results of Google's today. And um, Andy, you've pointed out some very interesting bits from the call. Yeah, it's, I, I, it almost seems boring to go, th- well, it is boring to go through all the financials because this isn't intended for non-financial reporters or non-investors. This really is just all about uh, all kinds of three and four letter acronyms that I barely understand that I still have to look up in order to find out about and a lot of numbers that are kind of interesting but don't really tell me anything that i'm kind of interested in which is what is the direction of the company what is their philosophy what do you think what projects are probably going to get a goose and which problem which projects are probably going to get a goose egg in the, in the next year uh, and so usually for me it's the the conference call that happens afterward that gets me really really interested because this is when sundar pichai and the other like top top executives at alphabet have to answer questions from analysts and this is the area in which they are required to speak absolutely truthfully and if they bs even just a little bit they can actually go to jail for it because this is mm-hmm. this is actually a requirement of the sec so it's it's almost like a mini version of the google io 
keynote where it's much shorter, but it has to be much sharper and much more focused. Like what, uh, here is what investors and analysts are concerned about. That's why they're asking questions. In this case, a lot of them had the exact same question over and over again for Sundar Pichai, and we're going to get into that. And they have to be efficient, but direct and honest about it without all the dogs and ponies that they usually put into a big presentation. Uh, but yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty good. The, it was mostly, I, uh, obviously I don't know how to read an earnings report the way that a financial journalist would read it. Right. So uh, basically I read financial journalist reports on, on that report. And the overall take on this was that they missed a lot of what analysts were predicting so they didn't they didn't perform as well as analysts were were mostly predicting however all the businesses were up also the key businesses where google is making actual money like search and ads are still like well up and so they the report left all of these people convinced that google is still a very significant company it's not like the situation with like snap had a disastrous call because all they could say, again, they have to be completely yeah. honest in all these reports and all their conversations. They, they also have to talk about headwinds, which is a real term in which they have to say, here is the problems that we are seeing that we're actually dealing with. Here's what we're fighting in the next quarter. And snap, <laughs> they, uh, they in the, in the Q&A, they all but said, if anybody has uh, non-perishable food items, used warm clothing in good or reparable conditions – our employees and our senior executives could use those donations to help us get through because we're, we're turning off the heat to save some money because we're having so much problems competing with pretty much everybody. And they had a disastrous result. Facebook it continues to have to talk about how much money they're losing simply because Apple decided to give its users the ability to say, hey, uh, please try to deny all of these apps right. the ability to track me, and that continues to be costing them billions of dollars. Meanwhile, they're they're pursuing the metaverse at a cost of billions of dollars that isn't going to be making them any money for any uh, any uh, immediate <laughs> frame of frame of time. Apple had a good quarter because they're Apple; they're very very limited in what they have to do, so they don't have to do anything that's not going to make them. No, everybody's still going to buy their stuff, and they don't rely on on selling things like ads, right? Facebook is struggling because it can't sell ads. Snap was struggling because yep. of the ads. And so you're expecting some of to see some of that for Google as well, because we can't forget that Google is still an ad company through and through. Yeah. But they, they, but again, analysts are pretty happy with them. They, they still, the impression that that the the numbers and the the call left them with was that they're still making a lot of money in the areas in which they've always made a lot of money. They've got a good plan for the future. I'm sure that a lot of the, a lot of the reasons why Sundar Pichai released that memo to all employees about how, well, we know that we're all having, uh, it's a, the, the economy is in a downturn and we're going to refocus. We're going to make sure that we're only focusing on the things that are core to our we businesses. To. Yeah. But he, mm-hmm. he, you don't release a memo like that to all employees without knowing that it's going to go out. It's going to leave uh, the Google campus. And I think that in this case, the fact that it went out a couple, a couple of weeks before this call meant that he was counting on it because it did soften up expectations. And these were the things that were sort of reiterated during the call. Um, as usual during the call, the, uh, he was singling out things that he thinks are really, really important in Google. Um, he gave us, uh, obviously a, a big shout out as usual to all the money that Alphabet is investing in cloud and artificial intelligence going case mm-hmm. by case. And here's how artificial our investment in artificial intelligence is paying off and in specifically improving specific Google services, which you, as you will see on table three is making, uh, making us a lot more money than it used to, uh, 
an interesting part was that he also gave a specific shout out to augmented reality, which he hadn't done before. Um, there, there, there are products where, hmm. yeah, I mean, because it was just a, uh, <laughs> he wasn't just like reading out a list of names and saying all of you stand up all at once and get a group applause. It was no, he he actually put a hunk in his prepared statements about augmented reality. Uh, he was also something I hadn't heard of before where he, they've got a pilot program where merchants are going to be able to upload 3D models of their products to appear actually in Google search results. Uh, and later in the call, um, another executive identified Target and Wayfair as two companies that were actively participating in those trials. That yeah. was something. That Wayfair was something worked with them uh, back to pro- all the way back to Project Tango. I remember at Google I.O., one of the first demos that they had was try on Wayfair furniture with augmented reality to see how it looks in your room. Um, by the way, Wayfair is also the same furniture company that is providing the furniture uh, for the... Um, uh, for the... Uh, for the Big Brother house? Immigration, oh. immigration camps, quote-unquote. Oh, <laughs> good. Well, that's good quote because they, they make sturdy, well-made stuff. I'm glad that we're mm-hmm. basically giving... <laughs> Um, but other other stuff, yeah, the, he had to address competition with TikTok and because YouTube was not performing. It was the one area of the business that they really had to make excuses for or rather explanations for. And so th- I was not surprised, by the way, uh, with the YouTube results, because when we're talking about ads business, right, we we're talking about Facebook, we we're talking about Snap. And so I'm not surprised that YouTube would be hurt by this. By the way, before we started our podcast, I was like reading through the notes and I'm like sitting with uh, Mona and my husband, Eric, and and I'm like, oh, Google earnings are in. And I'm telling him, you know, Andy's notes kind of going through them. And and I'm like, YouTube, huh? And I'm like, is this really like I'm like, uh, is this really because of the recession? And it's I guess it, people just aren't buying ads either, even like big yeah. brands. It's affecting even that revenue stream. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that um, I'm not going to talk about. We don't have to talk about like all these other uh, quarterly calls that that uh, we've been listening to. But it it seems as though there's a very sympathetic audience in light of the genuine genuine economic downturn, the genuine problems of inflation. So it's not as though all these analysts and observers are unmoved by these challenges. It doesn't give them a carte blanche to say, oh, yeah, well, we blew $80, million, $80 billion on yeah. new cars for, for everybody. Uh, but it, but it, it is something – I don't think anybody's expecting really, really great results from, from, from anybody here. Uh, but it is, uh, it, it is a good indication of what's really on their radar. Um, he, did, he also uh, did a rundown of other bets. That, that's another area that I'm always fascinated by because it seems as, as though right. it's the only area, the only time where you hear specifically about other bets, all these projects that they put in this, this financial category of – uh, we are experimenting with these things. We are putting some money into these ideas, hoping that they will turn into a business. Although we are accept, we are accepting that this is probably going to be a huge loss leader. It's usually like the biggest, like absolute tankorama uh, for money. Uh, but uh, obviously, as usual, he he talked about Waymo, but a little bit, only a little bit. Um, but he was really, really, I would say, jaunty for the first time about Project Wing, which I always took to be a project that. Okay, you're gonna have your own quadcopters doing deliveries and specific. Okay, that's cool. It, it just it just seems like old Google 
playing with ideas like how about we have the internet being delivered by balloons? It doesn't seem I don't like no, Andy. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to to cut you off on uh on your comment, but I I I don't know if this is such a bad idea because I really I still see those Waymo commercials on yeah. Pluto TV and they're very localized again. So if you haven't seen them, it's probably cuz this program is only happening in San Francisco, but I just see this marketing and I feel like they're going to learn a lot from the way they're going to market Waymo to the general public and kind of use that for these wild quote unquote ideas. And as we have been talking about how they were doing the pilot program, right. With Walmart in, yeah, we talked about this in the podcast, but it was so it was a while ago um, yeah. out in the South, I believe. And so just imagine having this kind of delivery infrastructure in these rural areas and the kind of like advertising that would come around this, like, look at us, like we're bringing, you know, we're bringing this kind of accessibility to a place that's, you know, not had accessibility and yeah. and that's and that's not a small thing uh, when you look at american history it's one of the one of the oddest things about american history was the revolutionary effect that the sears roebuck catalog had that suddenly all of these isolated communities all these isolated families on farms could get a sewing machine they could get the the materials that they needed I they could get that. Modern oh my god that equipment. far yeah. back yes oh my gosh and the fact they could get whatever they wanted delivered right to them that i mean it i was reading a book about it in which they really made the case about how it affected not just oh good now i can now i don't have to travel uh, now i have to, don't have to wait like 8 months to 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 get a new pair of pants a lot of it was okay well now i don't have to the the woman of the house does not have to sit and sew by hand and mend mm-hmm. every single item of clothing they still have to make it but now they have access to they can get a sewing machine shipped out to them and now they have more time to do other things or pay attention to now they can get now now families can get books now families can get uh, right. eyeglasses can get uh, medical devices that may or may not have worked, but that that sort of thing. And yeah, the, another common theme that I didn't put into the notes was that they, uh, when they talk about search now, they often talk about it not just as what we think about, but as a way to connect people to businesses and products. Uh, they are also talking about that with YouTube, about uh, new features for YouTube that would help it become a selling platform to people who want to sell through YouTube. And so, yeah, you're right. Wing absolutely f- fits into this overall umbrella part of uh, of, uh, of Alphabet if they're saying that, hey, not only will we help you find a local person who wants to buy your stuff, we will also help you get your stuff to that local person via a, via mm-hmm. Wing delivery. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's th- – what when I say that it seemed a little bit odd, only only because it you don't think about Google. I don't think about Google in terms of material things flying through the air. You know, I don't, and I don't think about in this in the Sundar Pichai era about a lot of money being put into something that is untested and unproven as a source of revenue. You can see how much yeah, they're dumping. Not- yeah. It's not like. Cloud. Sorry, I was just gonna say that's not Sundar. Sundar is a he is a calculated. He wants to put money where there they can see some, uh, they can see something come of it, or at least that's what it feels like. His leadership has been, yeah. And it feels like every decision that he has made, it's even as he's like rolling things into other things, he's he's just trying to keep the ball moving. He's not interested in it stopping and it's sort of figuring out a utilitarian way to sort of like let it 
yeah. you know, roll into the rest of the company. That's exactly right. I mentioned before about how pretty much all of the calls from all the questions on the call from analysts, almost all of them wanted to go back to the comments that Pachai was had been making through that uh, email he sent to everybody about refocusing uh, and sort of mm-hmm. not necessarily bite uh, belt tightening so much as we're going to focus on our priorities and the things that we do really, really well. And so he was repeatedly asked for, we have some more color on that, which is how analysts say, yeah, could you talk in more detail about that? Because we don't think you were explicit enough. Uh, So yeah, and each time he found different ways to say, yeah, we're want to refocus on core businesses and our core mission. Um, he repeatedly said that he was focused on uh, one of the quotes, quote, building sustainable value, unquote, which I think mm. is probably tattooed in Old English script across his belly, like, you know, Tupac style, uh, which because I think that that's pretty <laughs> much his motto for for life uh, as the CEO of Google. Um, so, yeah, it's it. If I were at Google and I were working on a real pie in the sky idea, it would remind me that I either should calculate how many more years I want to spend at Google to make sure that I'm my retirement is funded or decide what I want to do outside of Google because again he's your your responsibility to Google is to build sustainable value that's fine if you're working in Google Cloud because you're losing money this is this is something that we talk about every single quarter where Google Cloud is still losing lots of money but it's making more money every single quarter and it does it's definitely an investment in the future uh, i think it was i think it made mm-hmm. 6.2 billion this quarter and there was a long as usual, there's a long list of oh, now we're do- here's some of our major clients and major projects that we're doing with uh, with those major clients. Still, uh, definitely trying to f- make that fight against uh, Google and Amazon Web Services uh, into a real, real tussle. Uh, but yeah, it's you got to. Uh, this is all about building sustainable value, or maybe uh, okay, uh, maybe not the maybe not the belly tattoo. Maybe kind of like how Elvis had that uh, TCB like gold medallion with a lightning bolt. I think that uh, Sundar Pichai will probably be seen with a BSV <laughs> medallion <laughs> on a big thick gold chain, just oh like my Elvis. Gosh. I don't know if he'll go for the jumpsuit, but I think that if if I if if I if I had pulled if I worked for Google and I had like pulled his name in the Secret Santa, I would be having a custom like gold BSV medallion been made for him, <laughs> and I would be shocked if he if he wouldn't be wearing it every single day. I wonder now if that emoticon that was in the uh, in the Sundar tweet is just Sundar reminding us that at at the core he's just a developer. I don't know. <laughs> just a developer. Um, well, he's still making the company a lot of money with whatever. Indeed. Uh, what his leadership is definitely. And I just have to say, in terms of building sustainable value, what are you going to do when all your servers melt because of the <laughs> climate? Yep. I'm just, I just want to put that out there. We are not going to answer that question, though, on the podcast today, but we are going to tell you that um, Chromebook sales, according to this is just a little quickie add on to the earnings call, according to Gardner Research, which is a, a I constantly use it and source it, you know, when we're trying to like figure out what's going on behind the scenes. They um, are predicting a huge drop for Chromebook sales. They just haven't been doing so well. The latest market forecast from Gartner predicts a 9.5% drop in PC sales. The report blames a perfect storm of geopolitics upheaval, high inflation, currency fluctuations, and supply chain disruptions for that lowering demand. 
But um, this is it, it's bad news for Chromebooks at the end because Gardner predicts that Chromebook sales will drop by thirty percent compared to last year. And remember, yeah. we had that huge flux because. Everybody all of a sudden had to work from home. Google Classroom requires a Chromebook. Everybody had to buy a Chromebook for the kids at home. But now the kids are back in school. Um, everybody's got the laptop they need, presumably, for yeah. the most part. And so where do Chromebooks fit into this as hardware? Yeah, it's a weird one because uh, the past two years, it wasn't just the it wasn't just the pandemic specifically where people are needing to buy uh, buy stuff to outfit a home office for remote work. It was also part of that metric was that the people who were planning to buy and planning to upgrade in a few years anyway happened to buy those machines. And so therefore, um, I saw another analyst talk about a theory that that will probably disrupt the what they usually plan on as the upgrade replace cycle. because essentially everybody was was going out to replace their and upgrade their stuff all at once so it was probably going to flatten out uh, a lot of uh, hardware makers results for the next couple of years anyway um but yeah it's that's it's particularly bad for chromebooks you would like to you would like to think that it would be less affected because and every single market is dropping this uh, the report uh put that 9.5% number on PC sales, but it's not just desktops. It's uh, desktops, it's tablets, it's notebooks, uh, it's even phones. Uh, and the only, even Apple didn't come out unscathed where, <laughs> mm. oh, oh, horrors, the, they, they're predicting that Mac sales will be, quote, flat, unquote, whereas PC sales are going <laughs> to drop like at least like four or 5%. But it's, I want it's so last, if they're talking about compared to last year, 2021, we were, we were still coming out of it. So maybe that still reflects that, hey, we can't possibly match the time when everybody had to suddenly get Chromebooks for their kids or had to get a second or a third notebook for the household to cover all the people who had to be stuck inside. I don't know, but that's the, that, that can't be good. It, uh, Google still seems to be very, very heavily invested uh, emotionally and intellectually in Chromebooks. So it's not as though this thing is going to go away anytime soon. But... No. Boy, I'm hoping next year we see that kind of flat. We we see that even out a little bit because I I like Chromebooks. I want them to stick around. Yeah, they, I don't think they're going anywhere, Andy. I mean, this, there's school systems that rely on this operating system yeah. to function. As far as I know, I wonder. I I am curious what it's going to be like when Mona goes to school because she's not in elementary school right now. But it's just been very interesting going through these earnings with you because it it's painting the picture of me of the current economic situation that we're in globally um things are things are going to be rough folks we're 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 getting into some bumpy waters so i feel like that if the tech companies are buttoning down and cutting costs and it's not just happening there it's happening in other industries as well it feels like personally we all need to be in the same <laughs> You know, no big moves right now. Like, let's all just go towards that. What, what was that Sundar said? Uh, sustainable value. <laughs> <laughs> Again, canned goods, secondhand clothing and reparable condition. <laughs> I've actually been that whole, you know, trope that they say, go shopping in your closet. Like, I have been doing that <laughs> because usually I would go out and I would buy things. But like, I 
it's not it's not a time right now to be buying things also because oh my god everything out there looks like it's for the prairie <laughs> and that's just not my style I don't know. Women's fashion has somehow turned into just like, let's all live on the prairie and be like fundamentalists. And it's just like, what? No, no. We're poor, but clean. <laughs> Some of us don't like wearing florals. Okay. That would be me. So, yeah, so, yeah, speak it, sister. He, he said <laughs> for, the, for the past week, I've been dressed like a, like a, like a soccer referee. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have two like different like uh, black polo shirts with no emblem on the on the breast and like different kinds of black shorts uh, paired with my what my when I go out when I do go out gray knee high socks and my black like sneakers so yeah and Listen, I, I was just gonna say I dress like a dad so we both have our. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've, I, I think I think you're, uh, you're that's the encouragement that I need. I've, I've been putting off like a good diner breakfast for a few weeks now because like I'm, I I assure you, uh, friend Flo and listeners, I'm not in the sort of precari- precarious financial situation where spending 14 to 15 dollars on a breakfast at a diner is going to break me. But it's just as you say, it's like. But I'm ever after a day of after a day of of talking to another analyst or another person at another like billion dollar company that said, yeah, we need to fire the bottom ten percent of every single department. I'm thinking that do I? But I do have that 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 airtight container of uh, brand flakes and that container of raisins and that container of chocolate chips. And the milk and and the almond milk. I can actually have the same breakfast for two dollars and eight cents. Perhaps, That's perhaps, nice Andy, that would be a wiser thing. That, given that this is all a sunk investment to rely on our. <laughs> but but they have but see the diner up the street. It has those lemon ricotta pancakes with this like blueberry compote. Okay, I think you should go enjoy it because, uh, first of all, you're supporting a small business. Okay, indeed, small businesses do still need our support. Exactly. I am still spending money on food because, A, because I'm a Taurus and B, because food is my love language. And so when, <laughs> I mean, I don't make it, but I love eating it. Exactly. Um, and if you love me, you'll make it for me <laughs> <laughs> and feed me. So. <laughs> I love to be loved this way. Uh, again, again, I grew up by my mother's side of the family is Italian. I used to have almost every Sunday dinner at my Italian grandmother's house. I know from which you speak. <laughs> my husband made me a giant pot of spaghetti tonight. Like it's oh, good man, good now man. Now you see why I married him. All right. Well, with that, let's take a quick little break, and when we get back, we'll get into some nifty updates. Well, Google's making money and it's also updating things. I, for one, am not sure when Gmail is going to give me my Material Design 3 redesign, Um, but it's available if you are a Workspace customer. Apparently, if you've already switched over to chat from Hangouts, then Google will offer you or roll out the new Gmail redesign to your inbox. This this is a massive UI redesign. Well, massive if you if you didn't like what was happening before. What was happening before was a mess of too many windows piled on top and layered on top of one another. What there is now is a much more compact inbox with a little dock on the side and you can go near yeah. a little dock and if somebody sends you a message, you'll get a little pop-up and it's like a very 
I mean, honestly, it's a very like desktop-like experience, but inside your inbox, I see a lot of notes of Chrome OS. Yeah, some some woody woody aftertaste. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I actually the the word that I was I want to use, but I don't know if it's sexist. Is is I thought that the current the current does the previous design was downright frumpy. It's like I, I, I that's not no that's, that's not, not sexist. Like, okay. I, I've yeah because you can be a frump. Right. No matter. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's like this was this was great. If it, it, it was an okay functional interface when they came up with it, like during the Obama administration, I think, and it was a it was a window in which they could continue to throw new features without. Well, I was gonna uh, no. There's no without about it. They were making it more cluttered and more and more clustered and more. Bleh. Whereas every time I I fire up my uh, my Outlook inbox on the web, like I I almost never use the desktop Outlook client because the web client it's simple, it's streamlined, it's effective, it's very very modern, it's easy to use. All the tools that I want are right where I expect them to be. Even though it does integrate like other Microsoft Office tools inside mm, it, plus they, one Microsoft, they, okay, yeah. But yeah, they see that's the race that they're in. And don't and iCloud, I, I never use like my iCloud Mail for anything, uh, but. When I do, when I do accidentally click into it, <laughs> it's a very very pretty like desktop type type of experience, and it always made me kind of wonder. This it, it felt like very very old style Google, like they, my, my idea of old style Google interfaces were, um, they know that the sort of user interfaces you would find in open source apps are way too neckbeardy to unleash upon the public and expect to become like a trillion dollar company. That said, they can't bring it to themselves to be as like hippie, crunchy, let's pick flowers in a field and dance barefoot of a, of, of a typical Apple interface. They, did, they didn't want to, more positively, they didn't want to go full Johnny Ive. The first thing that I wanted to remove from the Apple Mail interface was there was a button that had a picture of an envelope on it. And to me, that's just representational academic visual clutter when we feel as though the code should anticipate the need to send a new message and present that at the correct opportunity. Yeah, but Johnny, I don't know. I need to send a message to my boss. And yes, but do you really need to send the message to your boss now? And don't you appreciate how streamlined the interface is, particularly now that we've removed all the vowels? Like, no, I think it's crap. I mean, it looks as good as a static object. Thank you very much. That's exactly what we're going for, a non-functional static piece of art instead of a fully functional piece of productivity. You're welcome. If this recession does anything for us. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny Ive. It's just too much, man. It's too much for me. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it it does look very, very nice. I don't I, I think the nicest I think what a lot of people are gonna say is the nicest feature about it is that they can like if it's it's nice to have if you're in a work group sort of situation, yes, I suppose it's nice to have all of your different like meeting and conferencing and chat apps as part of the same mailbox feature where all those names are going to be anyway uh, but people can decide that well i don't want chat to be part of that i just want duo to be part of that mm-hmm. or they can go right back to the old design anyway so long as i, I think that i think that google has been through so many of these ch- 
of these uh, improvements to Google services over the years, they know that the single, the first question that anybody is going to ask is, how do I make it exactly like the same inefficient, ugly, but familiar interface that I've been using for the past 10 years? That's fair, right? Because you don't want to scare people off with something completely just that's honestly Facebook scared me off when they kept doing all yeah. those redesigns of their newsfeed. That was very much like, I don't like this anymore. Um, but I still like Gmail. And there is some good news too for searching within your Gmail archives because I'm sure most people listening out there, if you've been using Gmail as long as Andy and I probably have, you you probably have 10 years worth of emails stored on a server <laughs> in one of Google's server warehouses. Um, search chips. They are this new little uh, bit that was introduced. They each represent a frequently used mailbox filter. So rather than going into that, I, I hated using the mailbox search function because it felt like beginner programming yeah you know like yeah. the kind of programming that they have little kids do on teach, your, teach yourself javascript in two months mm -hmm. yeah it i just i don't want to have to think that much i would like to just be able to whittle it down to a couple of filters so this really helps with that which um they're nice and easy to access right at the top and uh gmail searching is also getting a little bit smarter which of course it's google um <laughs> Let's say if you are, okay, let's say there's a hundred Andes in your inbox, okay? Not in my life, there's only one Andy. Uh, <laughs> but a search for emails from Andy would prioritize the ones from your, the Andy that you <laughs> typically interact with. So yep. it would be, in my case, Andy Anako, because Google knows that I interact with Andy the most. So why would yep. it be any other Andy? I think that, that that's that's part of the deal that we are kind of hoping for with Google, where I don't think anybody who's wise would 100% trust Google with the ability to look at our emails. I trust them, but I don't 100% trust them. I'm hoping that as a benefit for letting Google take a look at my emails, it can make my inbox a lot less painful to go through. And one of the things that I suffer through with Outlook, because I'm I'm getting like hundreds, sometimes sometimes more than hundreds of emails every single day, given all the different things that have to come into my inbox. And it's just annoying when I have to have that conversation with this computer that's not listening to me in any way, shape, or form. Certainly the, the Outlook is not listening to me, where I'm saying, Honey, you know that my editor's name is Dave, and we exchange mails 10 times a week at least. And so if I'm looking for emails from Dave, maybe that's the first one that I want to see, not like someone mm -hmm. who might have sent me a press release about something that has nothing to do with my job or my industry eight years ago. I know that you're really excited about this, 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 uh, this local honey recipe that somebody decided to put into my inbox, but that's not the Dave that I'm thinking about. I'm actually thinking about the person who I need to notify something really darn quick. And that's so that's the yeah. sort of stuff I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking for I'm still waiting for the one email client that can really just tame that fire hose and automate learn just learn what emails do I open? What emails do I actually spend time scrolling to the bottom of? What emails do I wind up actually interacting with? Who do I tend to initiate conversations with and use all that information to just 
put my emails into folders that I can easily just access myself. I, I feel as though processing text is something that computers are supposed to do very, very well. That was those words, word and processing were two of the biggest features that got people interested in computers back in the eighties. I would like to think that it's good enough at that basic task that it could really help me out with my email. But as yet, it's just not interested. Well, the good news, Andy, is if you hate the new interface, you don't have to use it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there is still an option to go back to to the old interface. And also, I noticed that if you use any of the Gmail themes that you don't, or at least I still don't have the new interface. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have it. It's yeah. yeah, it's I have it on my work email, but not on the personal one. I thought that I had already switched from uh, Hangouts to Google Chat, but I see that I just opened my Gmail inbox and I saw a switch to Gchat in, in Gmail. I think that's, oh God, I think that's even an exclamation point. They're trying to get me excited about this. I'm, I am so, it's, it's in one of those fonts where it could be, uh, it you could be right. You haven't done the switch over yet. I thought I did. Like I'm not, I, I, I don't, I have not been using like that feature ever. I've not been using Hangouts, uh, but let's see, see. I still use chat slash Hangouts. Okay. Me and like, Three people. Bless those three people, by the way. And they know how to find me all the time. Yeah. But yeah, so yes. it's weird. So, cause I, I also, I don't use, I don't use uh, Gmail as like a primary inbox. It is just, uh, because it's my, la it's easy to say my last name at gmail.com. People kind of expect that. And so that's, so I get a lot of different kinds of emails. Like it's sort of like my public face as opposed to my extremely yep. complicated and impossible to guess real email address is actually totally easy to guess. Uh, but so I'm, I'm rarely in this interface. It usually just forwards directly into my real inbox. So uh, <laughs> T Fury, if this, if that, if this, then that alerts. Oh God, T Fury. It's like, Please stop bothering me. I don't yeah. need a discount. Um, shall we go on to our next little update, which is for Indeed. Google Maps? Uh, this one's pretty interesting, actually. So the Google Maps apps, the Google Maps apps, the Google Maps app has some new features. And starting this week, uh, the biggest one is the addition of notifications in the location sharing feature. This is a big deal for me. I So I am one of those people that always shares her location with a friend for like an hour to let him know if I'm on the way. It's obviously an annoying safety thing because society. <laughs> but um, I kind of like now that if somebody does it for me, that I can sort of track them a little more passively. Because before I would have to leave the Maps app open or, you know, maybe devote like half the screen to it and sort of keep track on the person. But now... You can set alerts that will notify you when a person has arrived or departed from a particular location. So it's kind of nice to have that happening on the back end. Um, it's also, you know, if you have a friend who's taking an Uber or a Lyft home yeah. from your house, then this is a great way to know when they got home instead of relying on the text. In fact, I'm going to try this with my mom because my mom is the worst about texting <laughs> me when she gets home. So, yeah. And then I feel like a creepo when I'm going on Google Maps. I'm like, did she get home yet? It's like, right. I know that we share our location with each other, but it's just, I still don't feel right about going in and looking it up unless it's, you know, for something. Um, you can, as just like you can already do it in Google Maps, you can control how long this feature can be used. You can switch it off entirely. Um, but 
just like with the location sharing, you'll also receive notifications if you are sharing already. So Google Maps tries to let you know if your location is being broadcasted. Yeah, I thought they really thought they thought this through very, very well. Uh, I think they I think Google has finally really, really started to understand how much people distrust or are suspicious of Google. Like the first question they're going to ask is, how can this feature be abused? How, how when am I going to regret having turned on this feature and how is this going to be used against me? And um, because sharing your location is not just a one-time thing, you basically said explicitly that, hey, I've, uh, I want my my spouse, I want my spouse, my partner to be able to uh, get my location anytime that they they request it. Um, if uh, I, as that spouse or partner, say that, hey, I want an alert. Here is the address of my spouse's workplace. I want an alert when they leave uh, when they leave the office, so I know that they're on their way home. Or uh, I I know that they are uh, that they're going to be staying in this hotel that they've I've just dropped them off at the airport. Let me know when they get to their hotel safely. That sort of stuff. Um, so these things, but these things will continue to uh, to be activated like day after day after day after day. So it's not just that uh, my spouse or would get one alert saying, "Hey, uh, Andy has just turned on an alert to find out every time that you leave the office." Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be no, you'll you'll be getting regular reminders that this is happening, so that you don't just simply acknowledge it once and then forget it. Like like for instance, for you and I, oftentimes we're going to the same event in New York City. And obviously, we're going to be getting together at some point during that time. We're in the same city, and so if I want to know, hey, we're meeting, we're meeting at Chelsea Piers somewhere, I can just be, I, 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 I can just be like looking at the shopping for hand knitted socks, whatever it is you bought, one buys at Chelsea Piers, and then because I, because I know that I know that you're on your way. I don't know when you'll arrive, but as soon as you arrive at Chelsea Piers, oh great, she's right, she's here, so I should basically get 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 my head out of my butt and actually get to the restaurant where we're probably meeting for lunch or whatever. Uh, so th- this is this is all pretty good stuff. The ways, all the different ways you can use it. Uh, from essential safety to just the convenience of being able to say, "Hey, I do. I'm going to be taking a. a, a I'm going to be taking a two-hour walk. I don't know when I'm going to wind up in this area, but when right. we get to that area, uh, why don't we get together for coffee?" Oh, that's a good point. Oh yeah, for like a festival yeah. or something really big, and yeah. then you're like, "Oh, finally, we're within vicinity of each other." <laughs> Yeah, there's there's so many ways you can use this, and that's those are the kind of features that I absolutely love. Where it's not just a one shot deal; it's something where it's flexible, where it can be a solution to all kinds of different problems. Uh, speaking of a solution to a problem for bikers, this one affects affects me. This is something I've been hoping for for a long time. This is so you get you're looking for directions, and they've been supporting directions for people on bicycles for about ten years. That's fine, right? But then, like, imagine that uh, say, oh wow, you know what? That's 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 only about eight miles, and you know what? I could kind of go for like a half hour bike ride. You know what? I think I'll take the bike instead of uh, driving or taking public trans- transportation. And then, like, you, you're not familiar with the route but once you're on the route you realize that oh so essentially part of this there's a half a mile of this is essentially like a 40 degree grade where there's no way i'm going to be able to pedal my way all the way up there hated having a bike in san francisco oh, i just God. don't understand people <laughs> even even just walking it's like wow really it's only a quarter I know. mile it's already why, hard enough why shouldn't walking? I walk? <laughs> and then in san francisco like... you get to the where the sidewalk suddenly turns into stairs <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> because oh because they used to have a they used to have a sign out. at the bottom of the hill saying cleats cleats required off at this point, but a lot of people didn't have cleats. Oy. 
I will say I had an amazing hamstrings when I lived in San Francisco. I think anyway, I, I think everybody everybody has to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so 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 what's going to happen is that if you choose a bike route, now we'll give you a lot more information about things like things that might change Gosh, your finally. idea of what route you're going to take or if you're going to take it like steep hills. Uh, also, what kinds of roads this route is going to include. Like it's one thing to say, oh, wow, there's actually like a green bike lane like for this like eight mile stretch. That's beautiful. I, I would I would like to know that versus no, there is not only that, but there's no sidewalk, there is no gutter, there is no nothing. You will have to like be biking in the extreme right edge of the right hand lane of this two lane road, challenging people who just think that you're a, a, a butthole just because you are actually on a bicycle instead of in a big like American flag waving uh, monster truck that belches out smoke. Um so yeah, this this stuff like that kind of keeps me from getting into trouble, especially someone who is not exactly Greg Lamond in physique. I'm more of a practical. Like I said, my my body type is has been genetically bred, genetically Darwinianly engineered for extended winter warfare in Eastern Europe slash Russia. For those kind of things, this is the optimum body type to have for getting a bike up a forty degree hill. Probably not in the, in the back of an Uber. Great, I I, I can handle that. Great. Uh, but on a bicycle, not so much. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just thinking about how I used to try and map out uh, my muni routes, the bike route with the muni routes, so that I could put the bike on the bus going back uphill. Yeah. Um. Anyway, those are all great things coming to Google Maps very quickly because we are running a little long. But very quickly, I want to get into a quick little... Uh, update that's coming to the Chromebook. It is rolling out in August. So first things first, everyone, we're getting virtual desks on Chrome OS. This is, um, okay. I'm sorry. I know that like Linux had like virtual desktops or whatever, like before like Windows and Mac really had it. But in the headline on Gizmodo, I said it was very Windows like feature that it got. So because it very much reminds me of using Windows or Mac OS, and so virtual desks, as you imagine, it'll allow you to have like several windows and apps open and then you could just show them aside, go to a new desktop and start some new work there. You can save these virtual desks to refer to them later. Uh, it's just basically supposed to add a little more multitasking capabilities to Chrome OS that it doesn't already have. So this feature is rolling out in August. Um we're also getting a, let's see, we're getting a new dark theme that's coming through. I'm, look at me. I'm like trying to remember the article that I put together earlier this uh, week. <laughs> we're getting a new dark theme that's coming through. That's pretty exciting. Um, a new PDF annotator. So you can actually finally sign things within uh, the Chrome OS Photos app versus having to like download some third party app or some Chrome extension to do it. I'm still going to use a Chrome extension. Uh, the Google Calendar is better integration into the the dock area. It's like the little notification area of Chrome OS. I call it the dock area, which is <laughs> not the it's not the style guy. I know what you're talking it's about. Like on the on the on the extreme yeah. like edge of the screen where it has here's your battery level, here's your whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like the little docking notification area. That's what I call it on Chrome OS. <laughs> um again, these are all coming out in August, but the thing that is coming out later this fall 
is the ability to make movies with your Chromebook. So they're actually bundling in some video editing capabilities into Google Photos, and it's going to be rolling out to the Chromebook first. I asked Google if they had any information, if it would come to Android. They did not say, mm. but in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking that these are things that will eventually be made available on some Android device. It's got to, because they're, they're, they're really compelling. Like I was, when I heard about this, I was looking, okay, fine. So I can now like select clips and delete them or make the, and put a title card. But they're actually, they actually sound a lot more cool, a lot more useful than that. Well, and they've been doing them already with um, Google Photos when you've been uploading photos. Sometimes you'll get a little magic assistant. It'll say, I made a video for you. Would you like right, to check it right. out? And so I, my understanding, the way I see it, is this is probably the same technology that they just added editing features to. Do you like how I oversimplified that for all the developers <laughs> out there? I'm sure you appreciate me. It's like, yeah, Flo, it's that easy. But uh, what's interesting is Google also will be adding uh, filters to it. So like the real tone filter will be something that you could use to do video editing with, maybe do a little color correction. And that's a very premium video editing feature, hmm. that kind of color correction ability. So yeah, what what got, really got my attention was uh, the ability to essentially say, it's not like it would go through the assistant, but it sounds like it almost could. Where you're saying, yeah, uh, I just got back from Disneyland. Uh, could you cut together like a four minute video of Dis uh, from our trip to Disneyland and include lots of shots of uh, my spouse and my two kids, uh, but not my uh, my nephew, uh, Trial Faz, because he always had uh, his finger up his nose and was like making rude comments. So I, I this is for us. This is not for Trial Faz or Trial Faz's parents. And we just say, bing, here's the three minute video of the highlights from uh, from videos that we know was shot at disneyland that contains these three faces that you have named that we recognize uh, because i'm uh, i am so terrible at editing movies by that i mean that i get too excited about editing movies and so it's like four months after the event and everybody's forgotten all about the event and i'm still trying to i bet i can tighten that up a little bit and hey what if i chose this transition here and hey what if i had some motion graphics in here and you know i could probably i don't like that bird in the background what if we like dude i'll all anybody wants is like a four minute clip of like in focus, people in the frame doing stuff with the Eiffel Tower in the background, maybe that they could like just put on their Facebook page and share with their friends and remind themselves of what a good time they had. But no, I'm, they're still stuck on my hard drive because I think I'm Martin Scorsese. You know, what's really funny is I am just recalling back to when I got my first MacBook. Um, you remember the the original ones back in the in the late aughts, right before 2010. It was like the 2007, 2008 model. And iMovie was, I mean, that's, we just, we just messed around with iMovie oh, yeah. all the time, making stupid little videos, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> slideshows and things of the sort. And it was really hard to find any app that could replace it for a long time. And now, now they're bundling in editing features into the native apps on your phone because yep. it just be it's just become such a such a part of <laughs> documenting life 
Well, any, anything that encourages people to, yeah, we could have done without like this, like eighteen minutes worth of crap. But just get to the the three minutes that we're kind of interested in seeing. That you're you, put in the Ed Wood filter, saying that we don't need to see this this the shot of the car coming up the street and then slowly parking and then people getting out of the car. Get to the part where you're actually like rushing up to and send hugging, like and the, the dog is rushing up to and leaping into the arms of the person. That's what we actually came to see. I'm very curious, too, if they're going to ever do some sort of thing where you can export to TikTok and Instagram, you know, because the (laughs) sincerely, because the video editing app that I use InShot, which is like from this giant publisher, they make like all these all these apps that they want you to pay for. And um, and yeah, it's very tuned to social media. So that's a good question. I mean, I I would have to guess that they don't have it they they don't have a big enough heart to do that that they would they're not going to prevent you from exporting it into the into the camera roll and then right, whatever right. you do with it after that is your business but it would just like just they would just get they would they would that's a feature a direct export to TikTok that's like a rage implementation they would like no, no, no. be typing the code so hard they would break three keyboards <laughs> Here's right. your it would be export into TikTok feature. Yeah. You sons of bastards. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It would be published to YouTube Shorts. <laughs> yes. Well, on that note, that brings us to the end of our show. And um like that was a good one, Andy. I thought that worked extremely very, well. I thought that was very that was very informative. You know, we really informed people today. <laughs> so I just want to thank everybody for listening to us. <laughs> I also want to remind everybody that we do have a landing page over at our Relay FM Families website. And so relay.fm slash material is where you can get all the past show notes from every show we've ever done on the network of the material podcast. You can also find out information on how to subscribe to our show, become a member of the Relay FM network where you get all sorts of perks, including bonus episodes. And yes, Andy and I are always talking about bonus episodes that we want to do. So if you are interested, please consider throwing us a couple of bucks every month. Um, it really helps us, helps everybody else here at the network. And, uh, you know again because we also like uh it's not it's not as though like we get like a a bi-weekly uh, like salary from from really fm we we know we get like we get payments and we know which one is from like uh, ad and network stuff but we know which one is from uh our our supporters and we're we're it's it's just it's a little extra hug you know we, we're mm-hmm. we're grateful for all of our listeners because the, the most expensive thing you can give us is your time and we are so grateful and so humbled by the fact that you give us your time uh, week after week after week. Um, but it's, it's, it's that little extra hug that, oh, by the way, here is <laughs> if, you, if, if you were in any way worried about getting those lemon ricotta pancakes with a blueberry compote, here is enough for that and more. Like, thank, exactly. thank you, listeners. I, I think I will get those lemon ricotta pancakes with a blueberry compote. As as a matter of fact, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, I can actually, like, get the lemon ricotta pancakes with the blueberry compote and, like, shoot, like, a, a, a YouTube short about them and, like, put them into the show notes for, uh, for, for, our, for our listeners and for perhaps... Is that a challenge? No, it's more of an excuse to get lemon ricotta pancakes with blueberry compote. Uh, flimsy, though, it may be. if you can write them off. If you do that, <laughs> I, I am I am I am so terrified about writing things off that I would not go that far. It would be 
All, see, I'm, I'm not looking. I'm, I, I, I stress, I'm not looking for like a tax write off. I'm looking for lemon ricotta pancakes with blueberry compote. Oh, I hope you get them. I have to. Oh, God. I'm craving them for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andy, yeah, so are you, you doing radio this week? Uh, not this week, but I will be uh, uh, next. Be there next week uh, to go to WGBHnews.org to see uh, get clips from all of my previous appearances. Uh, you can also go to uh, WGBH's YouTube channel for actual video. Um, I did. Uh, maybe I can. Maybe I should talk about this more in uh, more next week. But the fact that I know that now that they're live streaming and recording these things for for WGBH gbh's youtube channel it's kind of changed the tone a little bit because a not only do i have to like dress not just so that i look like a human being who knows how to take care of themselves like to like the people in the studio that i will be interacting with and just going out in public in general now i know that it's kind of, there's like an audience of people that i don't know who don't who don't who, who won't forgive me for like <laughs> for for looking that disheveled even though i might have had to wake up like super early in the morning it's always harder with the video element yes when it's yeah. recorded and broadcasted <sighs> yeah but but the 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 other thing is that so if i if i do wind up doing stuff for my home studio now i'm thinking that gee so that means that i can actually like have props at my desk and i can maybe i should get OB, I, I should get that 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 uh, free software that people use to give themselves a video video switcher and multiple multiple cameras and like animation stuff and i would confuse the hell out of everybody and actually that's kind of my brand the more that i think about it but anyway yes go to (laughs) (laughs) gbhnews.org you'll be able to watch all that kind of stuff or as uh, as flo said earlier go to anatko on twitter anatko instagram Mm -hmm. uh, to see all kinds of other stuff that i do thank you so much andy and thank you for putting the show notes together for us this week Thank you for doing literally everything else that gets the show in, in podcasters <laughs> in, in podcast uh, channels. Thank you. Well, I just want to thank our editor, Jim, for making us sound great every single week. And uh, as for me, you know where to find me. I'm at gizmodo.com or flowrights.tech, which is my cool little vanity URL that I pay for. And so I'm going to let everybody know about it so that Yay. I can justify myself paying for this specialized domain remapper every year uh in all sincerity we just want to thank everybody for listening this week we want to wish you a safe happy and healthy next week until we're back thank you everyone see you next time have a happy